Welcome to Screen Time with Rokan and Richard Roper. I'm Richard Roper. Rokan is on assignment this week. So my special guest for this week's podcast of Screen Time is me, Richard Roper, film critic for the Chicago Sun-Times and various other outlets through the years. And I thought since we're just a little bit past the halfway point of the year, I'm going to give you my rankings of the best films of 2021 so far and the best streaming series and documentaries. I'm not going to do these in a usual countdown, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Save that for the end of the year, but I'll give them to you in alphabetical order. We've had a great first half of 2021. We're going to get right to it in a moment, but first, I got to tell you, the digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design and development, e-commerce to mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. Okay, we're going to start off here by talking about my favorite films of 2021 so far. As you guys know, Ro and I have been talking a lot about how we started the year with me and everybody else seeing all these movies at home, straight to digital platforms, whether it was premium cable or Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, et cetera, et cetera. Now the theaters are starting to open up. Hooray. That's great. But for all intents and purposes, when we're talking about the best movies, we're talking about standalone films that would get theatrical releases or have gotten theatrical releases. All of these will be eligible for awards consideration because they're considered feature films. I want to start off with a film that I think was a little bit under the radar, and it did come out when the only way to watch it was at home, and it's a movie called Cherry, and it's from the Russo brothers. You know the Russo brothers. Uh, they gave us Captain America, Winter Soldier, then Captain America, Civil War, Avengers, Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. So they are some of the kingpins, the co-directors, often writer-producers, of the Marvel Universe. Uh, before that, believe it or not, the same Russo brothers, they actually uh, were instrumental in the early seasons of Arrested Development. So they can do kind of anything. If you can do Arrested Development in a $300 million Marvel movie, you've got some serious skills. So they did Cherry. And I think part of the problem, honestly, with this movie was that title because it really didn't tell us what was going on. Cherry was the nickname for a character. This is a pretty incredible film, though. It's actually shown in a very realistic style. It was filmed in the Russo brothers' hometown of Cleveland. But it also has a little bit of a graphic novel feel to it. And Tom Holland, speaking of the Marvel Universe, you know him. You love him as a Spider-Man, Peter Parker. I think gives maybe his best performance. And he's playing the character that's basically the nickname for him is Cherry. And he's a guy who is like a Holden Caulfield from the Catcher in the Rye type of social misfit. It's actually based on an autobiographical novel by Nicole Walker, a guy who uh, came back from the war uh, was really dealing with a lot of serious PTSD, got involved in drugs, and even robbed about 10 banks. All true story in the film Cherry. It's highly fictionalized and stylized. Let's take a listen to a clip. I have this noise in my head. It'll stop. One day it'll go quiet. I don't imagine that anyone goes in for a robbery if they're not in some kind of desperation. I've been at this a while now, and it's no secret what my face looks like. One thing about robbing banks is you're mostly robbing women, so the last thing you want to be is rude. Ma'am, it's nothing personal. Just love that film. Now, here's a complete 180-degree turn. Another one of my favorite films of 2020 is coming to 
America. Coming to, of course, with the numeral two, uh, the sequel to the 1989 original. And uh, for years, when people would talk to me about what sequel they wanted to see or I wanted to see from movies from the past, people always talked about how much they loved to see a sequel to the original classic Coming to America. This is a film I really felt was hurt by not playing in theaters because you want that communal experience when you're watching a great comedy like this. It went straight to Amazon Prime Video. They decided they weren't going to wait because earlier this year, we just really didn't know in theaters were going to reopen. But I love the cast here. Uh, obviously, all the originals, the great uh, Eddie Murphy, and he's so great with Arsenio Hall, and we had a chance to go back to the barbershop, and then they uh, added Tracy Morgan and Leslie Jones and Wesley Snipes and Kiki Lane. The setup was kind of ingenious. Akeem finds out he has a son in America, uh, brings the son and his family back, so it's really kind of coming to Zamunda, which I thought was a brilliant conceit. Let's take a listen. It is so good to see you. Well, Abby, damn, look who done come up in here. Hey, it's Kunta Kinte and Ebola. The famine and blood diamonds. Nelson Mandela and Winnie. Those hungry babies with the flies on the face. Hey, oh, 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 that's too much. Oh, now, you stepped over the line. Now, we won't be talking that kind of shit about the hungry babies. You're going to have to get out of my chair. Politically incorrect. So what you doing back here, Hotel Rwanda? <laughs> <laughs> Coming to America, I loved it. Some people felt like it was just a repeat of the first film. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what they were looking for. This isn't like a, a sequel to The Godfather or some great dramatic franchise. It's a sequel to a comedy where you kind of want to have greatest hits and just remember why you love the original. So Coming to America, right up there among my favorite films so far of 2021. Here's another one uh, that had kind of a mixed reaction, but I loved, and it's Cruella. This is the origins story for the infamous villain. Now, the 1961 original cartoon of 101 Dalmatians, the 1996 animated film, I think are lower-tier Disney films. I mean, how many people really talk about how much they love? All anybody remembers from 101 Dalmatians is the villain, Cruella DeVille, wants to make a coat out of 101 Dalmatians, and... We kind of know that's probably never going to happen. So I thought it was much more interesting to see a live action stylized origin story with Emma Stone playing Cruella facing off against Emma Thompson as her main rival. And the cool thing was this was set in swinging early 70s London. So the music is amazing. A lot of famous pop tunes. In fact, some of them, even though it's not a musical, some of the scenes were kind of choreographed as musical numbers. And I think it's going to get Oscar nominations for makeup, hairstyling, and costume design. This is a movie that really pops visually. Cruella. Let me give you some advice. You can't care about anyone else. Everyone else is an obstacle. You care what an obstacle wants or feels you're dead. If I'd cared about anyone or thing, I might have died. You have the talent. Whether you have the killer... Instinct is the big question. What was your name? Cruella. Continuing with my rundown of the best movies of 2021 so far. Here's one I know most of you guys haven't seen or might not even have heard of. It's called Dream Horse. And uh, I call this a mom movie, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. This is a movie you could watch with your mom. You could watch with your family. You can watch with anybody because it just plays so beautifully. It has all the ingredients of the quirky British comedies like The Full Monty and Calendar Girls and Military Wives, stories that are either based on or inspired by true stories. 
and it's a great horse racing movie. This is the true story of a horse named Dream Alliance. And I think they got several horses to play Dream Alliance. I don't think Dream Alliance played himself. Dream Alliance is an unlikely candidate who won the Welsh Grand National Race. Uh, Tony Collette plays a local barkeep and grocery cashier who knows nothing really about horses. She's you know grew up on a farm and has a small kind of farm community with her husband, but really knows nothing about horses and decides to take a chance on Dream Alliance. The whole town goes in on buying the horse and off we go. And of course, you're going to get the colorful local townsfolk and the perilous injury to Dream Alliance and then everybody in the bar watching the big race and the thrilling stretch run. Uh, these are like Rocky movies, these great horse racing movies, but I love Dream Horse. I'm putting it up there with Seabiscuit and Secretariat, Lean on Pete and Black Beauty among my favorite horse movies of all time. I need something to look forward to when I get up in the morning. I'm going to breed a racehorse. Absolute madness. He's normally wealthy professionals who are going for this kind of thing. There's ways of doing these things, isn't there? 20 people in the village put in a tenner a week for two years. No! When the horse is born, everyone will be owners. We'll all have an equal share. <laughs> if you lot are good enough to own a bloody racehorse, so am I. It's a tenner every week, Kirby, you pillock. Another one of my absolute favourite movies so far of 2021 is In the Heights. And this is a movie that was one of the first bigger films to come out in theaters, and I thought it played beautifully. This is Lin-Manuel Miranda's first Broadway triumph. He did In the Heights before he did Hamilton. It's interesting. Uh, some of the people who were in Hamilton, some of the great stars, including Lin-Manuel Miranda, have smaller roles here, kind of a nod to Hamilton. And this amazing cast, uh, directed by John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians. This, of course, is the story of a neighborhood in Washington Heights. It was shot in Washington Heights, so it's got that beautiful, authentic look and these beautiful production numbers. Uh, we have equal parts, you know, the rousing opening number, the group dance numbers that are six or seven minutes long, the beautiful duets, the mournful solos, everything you expect from a Broadway musical hit that then becomes, I think, a great movie. And what a wonderful cast, because you have veterans like Jimmy Smits and Daphne Rubin Vega, and then relative newcomers like Anthony Ramos, Melissa Barrera, and Leslie Grace, and they're all just gorgeous together. Let's take a listen to a little bit of In the Heights. Abuela, my fridge broke. I got café, but no con leche. Ay, Dios. Try my mother's old recipe. One can of condensed milk. Nice. Oh, hey, your lottery ticket. Paciencia y fe. I've never been north of 96th Street. Well, one of my favorite filmmakers of the last 30 plus years is Steven Soderbergh, who's one of the most versatile filmmakers I've ever experienced. When you think about his body of work going all the way back to Sex Lies and Videotape in 1989, that was a groundbreaking independent film. It was a huge hit on the film festival circuit. But he could also do like an Oscar vehicle biopic, Aaron Brockovich, for which Julia Roberts did win the Academy Award in 1999. Then he did Traffic in 2000, which I think is one of the best movies of the last 25 years, a social commentary classic. He could also do the star-powered franchises like the Ocean's Eleven franchise. He did the greatest pandemic thriller of all time in Contagion. He did a sexy comedy with Magic Mike. He can do just about anything in his latest film, 
is No Sudden Move. And it's not his first thriller film noir, but it might be his best. Uh, the film is called No Sudden Move. I think it's an Oscar contender. It's set in Detroit, 1954. Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, Kieran Culkin play three kind of small-time criminals who get involved in a job that seems like it's seemingly simple, and then everything just mushrooms out of control. Classic film noir where it's all about one thing, but it's really about so much more. Incredible supporting cast. David Harbour, John Hamm, Matt Damon, Ray Liotta, Bill Duke, Julia Fox, Frankie Shaw. And this is set in Detroit at a very specific time where the auto industry, the big four, are thriving. Employment is at a great level. But we're already starting to see the racial and cultural divides that are going to really kind of marginalize the black community, including the way highways were built and neighborhoods were segregated. And it has commentary about that without being heavy-handed, but then also has some great stuff about the inside workings of uh, the big four motor companies. And there's even a, a, a an element about the catalytic converter. So no sudden move. It's very atmospheric. There are times where you're like, I'm not sure what's going on, but that could also be said of any great film noir going back to something like The Maltese Falcon. It's all about the mood, the acting, the atmosphere, and the underlying messages. I love that movie. What do you want? Is that something you'd say normal Monday? I'm going to shoot you right now. Can I go home now? Wait at the house after. What do you mean after? Right off of your feet. What is going on? What's going on, big guy? Yeah, what are we doing? We're following instructions. Are you helping me or are you not helping me? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Thank you. Set up, man. God called me, offering me $10,000 to turn you in. 15 for the white guy. Think you're the only one that can make a move? I can make a move, too. Have the keys. Like to listen to the radio. This one was kind of a surprise, I think, for a lot of people, but I love that it was nobody. Bob Odenkirk is ordinary guy Hutch Mansell. He, but here's the thing about this ordinary guy. These ordinary guys in these movies often are former operatives. And we see early on this guy, he's married. Connie Nielsen plays his wife. He's got two kids. He's got a very, very ordinary life. He's a nobody. But then all of a sudden, something bad happens, and then something else bad happens, and we're in a story that's a little bit of Taken and John Wick and The Equalizer. But it's Bob Odenkirk, which makes it more interesting. And what I liked about this is it's not like... You know, like in, in The Equalizer or in Taken, you know what's going to happen. These guys are such amazing fighting machines. And Odenkirk is a is a guy who's got fighting skills, but he also gets the shit beat out of him. And it seems almost more realistic. And then on top of all that, Christopher Lloyd, who we know obviously from Cheers and the Back to the Future movies, you know, he's always been a comedic presence, has a really cool dramatic comedic role as Hutch's dad, who also has a pretty cool past. Let's listen to a clip from Nobody. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You're okay, because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me so very badly wants out. Here's another film that was going to open in 2020 and was delayed for more than a year. And I'm so glad that the uh, filmmakers, uh, in particular 
writer-director John Krasinski made that decision. We're talking, of course, about A Quiet Place Part 2. This is really maybe the last major film to be postponed before the pandemic hit last spring. We're talking about in 2020. They had had a couple of premieres. Uh, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski were doing publicity and talk shows. Signs were up in major cities, A Quiet Place Part 2. And then it was decided theaters are going to have to close. And Krasinski was very adamant. He's like, I don't want this to come out on streaming for home video only. I really want people to have the experience of seeing this in a theater. Because ironically enough, of course, even though the movie's called A Quiet Place and then A Quiet Place Part 2, sound is such a such a huge, huge part of these films because when there is a little bit of dialogue or when there is a little bit of whistling in the wind or somebody cries out in pain or the branches kind of move in the wind. We're waiting for the monsters to come out. So sound really kind of plays a a huge part. What I love about this is A Quiet Place Part 2 starts as a prequel. We see day one of the pandemic because you of the pandemic. Well, I guess you could call it that. A bunch of monsters came and killed us. So, you know, the day one of the invasion, because if you'll remember from A Quiet Place, the original one, we were already in the middle of the crisis and this family was trying to survive. The cool thing about the, the the prologue here is it gives us a chance to see John Krasinski again, and then we find out how the whole thing hit this ordinary town and really the entire world. Then we flash forward to the immediate aftermath of events from the film. Emily Blunt, who's so good. These, these movies, these scary movies, thrillers, they never really garner much in the way of Oscar nominations, but I think she gives an Academy Award-worthy performance as Evelyn, who's such a fiercely protective mother, And then she's got the two kids and the newborn baby, but they expand the story outside of their compound. And it's really just beautifully done. One of the few sequels to a horror franchise that I think really holds up to the original. And we're definitely going to see a third Quiet Place film, but I'm told it's going to be more of a spinoff than a direct sequel. But one of my favorite movies for sure from 2021, A Quiet Place Part 2. That will happen. A bomb. I think. I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. People had finally given up hope. I also love this movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead. It's from Taylor Sheridan. He's the writer and or director of Sicario, Hell or High Water, Wind River, and the TV series Yellowstone. So to me, Taylor Sheridan, who, by the way, is also a terrific actor, uh, really is a master of kind of modern day Westerns. Even if they're not, you know, technically Westerns, they have the feel of a Western. Angelina Jolie returning to the big screen. She plays a smoke jumper. And she's dealing with a lot of PTSD because she could not save uh, some young children from a fire a year previous. So they've got kind of her on a kind of a lookout job now, not on the front lines. But then we get this kind of amazing, dark mystery. Finn Little plays a 12-year-old boy who's the target of assassins. They want him dead. Aiden Gillen, who was in Game of Thrones, and Nicholas Holt play this very interesting father and son assassin duo who are trying to track down this little boy. And who does he happen to run into but Angelina Jolie's Hannah, who's going to protect this kid at all costs. We also get John Bernthal from The Walking Dead as the local sheriff. And uh, Medina Singhor as Bernthal's wife, Allison, is a complete badass and actually rides a horse at one point in this movie, even though it's not a Western. Those Who Wish Me Dead, one of my favorite films of 2021. Why'd they put you in a fire tower? 
Well, I'm just lucky, I guess. I read the wind wrong. I should have gone to them. And you've been dead, too. That's our job. Hey, stop. I'm not going to hurt you. I want to see where the blood's coming from. It's not my blood. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said, if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? Rounding out my list of the top movies of 2021 so far is The Waterman. David Oyelowo directs and co-stars here. And this is a wonderful fantastical story that will remind you of a lot of 1980s adventure movies. It's a story about this young boy. He's 11 years old. His name is Gunner. He's in this town of Pine Mills, Oregon. He has heard stories about a monster in the woods who has lived there for 100 years and actually has the key to immortality. This little boy's mother, Mary, is battling leukemia. She's played by Rosario Dawson, who's her typical wonderful self. So this little boy journeys out into the woods in search of the water man thinking this mythical we think mythical monster might be able to save his mother and then it becomes a story about a father looking for his missing son and whether or not the water man is myth or reality i think this is a film that that just didn't get the due it deserves it's a beautiful fantastical real life fairy tale that will hit you right in the heart the water man the water man is real Legend has it that he's still living up by the lake, searching the waters and the woods for his wife so he could bring her back from the dead. This town is weird. <sighs> it's just different here than what we're used to. Yeah, real different. I know this move's been hard for you. That's been hard for your dad, too. He's just stressed about me. I always thought the water man was just something grown-ups told kids to keep him from sneaking off into the woods. No one knows where to find him. That's my ranking, my list of the 10 best films of 2021 so far. We're only a little more than halfway through the year. Can't wait to see what the rest of the year brings. My friend and partner, Ro Khan, has a few words about Portillo's. Let me tell you about our friends at Portillo's, the finest fast casual experience you're going to have in all of dining. Portillo's, you know, not just hot dogs. A lot of, you know, when it started in Chicago, people were like, oh, it's a hot dog shop. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, we got, we got Italian beef? Wait, we got Italian sausage? Wait, you got chocolate cake? <laughs> oh, man. It's just uh, it's just one of the great experiences you can have. And I, I think I just said this a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. If you live somewhere where Portillo's is new, in California, Arizona, parts of Florida, check it out. Go. Have the chocolate cake. You get a little slice of home if you're from the Midwest, you're from Chicago, or you're from the East Coast too, because you know that that food will be very familiar to you as street food. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, ah, oh, you know, am I gonna, you know, it's gonna be so heavy. It's not. Mm. And can I just tell you something? Mm. The best thing about Portillo's mm. is that bun that they put the Italian beef on yeah, yeah. that you get now when you get that dipped and it gets all wet. Yeah. That is the perfect piece of bread. <laughs> and, you know, carbs be damned. You can do it once a month. You're sure. not going to hurt anything. You'll be fine. Portillos.com. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S is how you spell that. Portillos.com. Find a store near you or order online, and you can get it anywhere in the United States of America. Portillos.com.
All right. Thanks so much, Rokan, and thank you, Portillo's. That does it for part one of this very special two-part podcast on screen time about the best movies. And then next time, we're going to talk about the best streaming series and documentaries of 2021. I want to remind you the Rowan Roper podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. I'm Richard Roper. Ro Khan will be back with us soon. Thank you for listening to Screen Time.